in a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars. One oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. And this is episode eight. Joining me today is my hotshot co-host, Patrick Pister. How are you doing today, Patrick? Hey, Mark. Doing well. Just uh, watching some college football. Actually stopped for a little bit to record this. <laughs> yeah, so uh, if, if we're able to get you away from your game, that's pretty pretty important stuff. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which means we need to get it done so you can go back to your game. That's right. Let's, 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 let's have a quick show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, speaking of our show and quick sh- um, we recently did a show where we had an interview um, at um, – at the uh, Tipco Energy Forum, and we've gotten overwhelming feedback that it was great to have uh, other uh, HSE professionals on the show. So, what we're doing, Patrick and I, is we're reaching out to HSE professionals in oil and gas. So we have um, the head of HSE with National Oil Well, we have the head of HSE with uh, Check Six, and a whole bunch of other ones that we're going to go out and interview. So if you're listening to this and you're in HSE in the oil and gas industry, or if you're in HSE and you're not in the oil and gas industry, let us know. Um, we'd love to see if we can get you on the show, tell an interesting story to our audience, um, and just provide good value for everybody. Or if you've got questions for these experts, I mean, these are some major companies, you know, big guys in the HSC world. So if you've got questions that you want us to ask them during these interviews, you know, reach out to us, let us know, hit us up on the show notes, any, anything. But yeah, these are, are going to be some great interviews. Yeah, that's another good point. If you have anything you want to know, maybe you're in school and you're thinking about an HSE career, uh, fire off some questions. We can get those answered by the guys that actually do this day in, day out in the industry. Absolutely. Yeah, so we're going to jump into our news article today. A news article day is in uh, EHS today, and it's the oil and gas industry takes a progressive approach to safety training. Did you get a chance to look through this, Patrick? I did. It's it's actually really great how they're incorporating you know real-world experience and you know, video games and simulations that they're just trying to incorporate everything they can into the training around and around HSE. Yeah, I, I, I read that part too, where they're, they're gamifying um, HSE training. And there's, you know, there's a reason why video games are, and things like augmented reality um, are, are so prominent. And it's because it's an easy way for people to learn stuff and they immerse themselves in it and they enjoy it. So if you apply those same concepts to training, HSE training, it's not a chore. It's something that's actually fun. And this is a, 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 a good read uh, talking, um, uh, working with uh, United uh, Rentals about gamifying their safety training. And, and this is done through um, the um, uh, Energy Alliance, uh, Consortium Energy Alliance, which is a group up in Pittsburgh that's doing this type of training. So it's just a, a great way to come in with United Rentals and increase their safety metrics. But at the same time, their employees thought it was fun instead of some chore they had to go do. And I've seen a lot of these, how to gamify certain training as far as well control, but I haven't seen very many good trainings that are actual games related to HSE. Um, so this is a, a great step forward. Yeah, so um, one of the things they did is they used augmented reality um, 
and instead of um, chasing Pokemon, which is the, the thing that's not real safe right now, they use augmented reality and they help the students learn a well site. And so they helped them figure out what were your different escape paths. And every time you figured one out, you got points. And then so it was almost competition. And but they could use those points for, to buy stuff later. And I think that's a cool way because you know now when I go places, somebody has to tell you where your escape paths are. And you know hopefully if something happens, you remember how to get out. This way you're learning it, but you're doing it in a game format, so it makes it fun. Yeah, and if you've ever been on a job site that's remote or in a in a refinery or on a rig. It's a, it's a different world. You're not sure where is safe, where is not safe. They say, look up and live, but what, what am I looking for? So helping these students learn what to look for, look for your escape routes, look for hazards, look for overhead loads before you actually get to the job site, I think will it'll put them a step uh, farther than where I was when I started working offshore. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and to have all that knowledge, um, have it memorized before you actually step on the site, you know, that, that's going to increase safety metrics right there. Yeah, and there's, there's been some discussion. How do you actually prepare a new employee for getting to the remote work site? Do you, you, know, do you put them in a, in a camp and make them stay there for a week to, to learn that it's, it's remote and it's dangerous and this is the, how you have to behave? Or can you put it into a game like, like they've done here and really speed up that learning curve? Yeah, so great article. It's in the show notes. If uh, you want to read more, just go uh, check them out. And then it's time for our Red Wing Tip of the Week. What's our Red Wing Tip of the Week, Patrick? So the safety tip of the week, and I'm a little disappointed because in all my Googling, I really couldn't find a good video or diagram of, of what I was taught years ago when I first went offshore. Um, it's, it's a simple lifting technique, and everybody knows the, you know, straight back, bend at the knees, you know, use two hands, straight up, turn. But I was actually taught a simple technique for picking up small, light items, something you want to pick up with one hand. And I want to say that they called it the ballerina technique, which if you Google lifting technique and ballerina, you'll get a bunch of pictures of how to lift ballerinas. <laughs> but I could not find the, the technique. And what it is is you, you straighten one leg that's going to be your base leg, and you extend the other leg out behind you kind of to the side and you pivot at the hips. So your, your counterweight is, is your leg and you're reaching down with one hand, but you're keeping your back straight the whole time. Now this, is, this helps out if you've got bad knees or it's just a small pen piece of paper instead of just doing a quick bend over and picking it up and hurting yourself or doing the full pirouette, you know, bending at the knees, straight back, go down, and go straight back up. This is a, it's a really simple and easy way to, to pick something up. And I, I'll try to explain it one more time that you, you stand straight, you bend it at the side with one leg out, and you just you keep your back straight, you pivot at the hips, reach down, grab what it is, and you, you pivot right back up. And I'll do my best to find a, a diagram or a video to put in the show notes. But if somebody out there who has a occupational health and safety company that, that teaches this type of method, and you have a video or a diagram, reach out to us, send it to me, and we'll put that in the show notes, and you'll help our, our listeners out, and it'll be a link back to you as well. Yeah, so if anybody out there has something around this, uh, reach out to us, because we'd love to actually be able to throw up a video, because it's I know exactly what you're talking about, but it is a little difficult. To, it'd be much easier for people to watch it than us trying to talk you through it. Yeah, and it was over 10 years ago when it was taught to me, um, but I did have another friend say when he worked at one of the distribution centers for Walmart, they taught him this technique, so... I'm hoping it's not out of date and it's not been proven to be more damaging than it is, but it, it was a really simple technique. It's something I still try and do. So, again, if you have it, if you have information on a video or a diagram how to do it, you know, send that to me so we can post an app so people can see it. It's it's hard to it's hard to kind of hard to explain. Yeah. All right. So let's roll over to our topic. What's our topic for this week? 
this is a topic we've we've touched on before and we've talked about you call it what you want it's procedural discipline procedural drift or just the simple term of you know not following procedures and i would say if we assume that our employees are aren't intentionally trying to sabotage our operations um and you subscribe to the Deming philosophy that about 94% of the improvement possibilities belong with the systems, then you can't look only at the people when something goes wrong or, or to improve a system. You have to look at the system itself. And, okay. and it's really hard to identify exactly where within those systems you need to, to, to look. But one thing that I've seen is the it's kind of unspoken. Yes, you have to have a procedure on site. You have to have a risk assessment. But it's usually one copy. Some supervisor has it, and they read it out, or maybe they hand it off to somebody and let them read it um, for the guys. But the amount of time that the the guys actually doing the work have that paper in their hand is is really just to throw their signature on it, and they don't actually look at it again. So it it stays on a clipboard, it stays in someone's pocket, it gets pulled out occasionally to review. But the employees, the you know the frontline guys that are that are doing the work really don't have access to the steps in the procedure, the hazards associated with those with those steps, and the risk mitigations to prevent those hazards from happening. So why why Mark, why do we actually write procedures? What what's the purpose of having a, a written procedure that you're gonna review prior to the job? So you have some rigor behind what you do so you can improve upon it. Right. So you, you have a set you've defined the the steps that are needed to, to complete this job and do it safely. But you also want to communicate that to your employees, to the guys doing the work. And you want it written down because it's, yeah, well, if somebody's just having to remember it, you, you may forget a step. You may forget the, uh, uh, the pressure to go up to, the torque you need to set. Um, so you write it down and you expect your guys out on the rig, out on the job site to refer to it, to use it. And when something goes wrong and there was a, a step skipped or something was, was omitted or left out, you assume, well, you just didn't follow the procedure. Well, it's... It's not that they weren't trying to follow the procedure. It, maybe they didn't have it handy. Maybe the guy that made the mistake, well, I looked at it before I started the work, but I really didn't have an, a chance to look at it. Or he gets his hand somewhere that's not supposed to be. Well, I knew, I knew there were pinch points, but I couldn't quite remember exactly where all the pinch points are. So having... So, Pat, sorry, go so ahead. Patrick, yeah, it's... Um, so having this process, right, having this procedure is very important and having it written down is important. But it sounds like what you're telling me is that People need to understand that they need access to it, that it's not just something you look at once and walk away from. Yeah, and we, we can't set our guys up to fail. We can't hand them a procedure and sit back and assume that, all right, well, I've done my job. I've given them a procedure. I've given them all the tools they need to be successful. Why do they keep failing? Or why, why did this happen? And you really need to look at, um, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to link to the uh, to this uh, in the show notes. Our guys over at, uh, help me out, Mark. Uh, Deepwater Subsea? Deepwater Subsea. Yeah. So the guys over at Deepwater Subsea just put a video out um, talking about process improvement, and they're related to a TED Talk that talks about the U.S. sprinting team. And if you look at each individual sprinter, all their times should have won them gold and ended up getting silver. And the, the processes they actually need to improve weren't their individual times. It was the handoff between the... Ah, between I got the it. Which is, uh, and they talk about NASCAR too, it, you know, the race isn't won by the fastest car, it's won by the, the fastest time in and out of the pit. But it's it's hard to identify where those areas for improvement are because if you're a runner, you're gonna focus on, I need to get faster, I need to get stronger, I need to get leaner. And then when I'm on a team, we should all be faster. 
So actually identifying where those gaps are, it's, it's a difficult task. Sometimes you need a third party to come in and, and help you look at the system objectively and, and kind of guide your discussion to identify the, the constraints, the, the opportunities for improvement. And this yeah, that's is a, one I, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's a, this is a, it's a good point. So it's, and you talk, part of what you're touching here is culture and culture is always the hardest thing to change. And you're right, Patrick, often when there's a, a change need in the culture, you need to bring in an independent third party because they're not immersed in that culture and they will see things. I mean, we do this all the time. They will see things that that whole group never saw that was right in front of their face. Well, and I went, you know, close to a decade working offshore and, and working in these in these projects and we've got a procedure on site and one person's going step by step. And, you know, it really took me getting out of the work to realize, well, the reason we're having these procedural drift and you know procedural discipline problems and just not following procedures it's not that they're not trying to it, maybe we're not actually giving them all the tools and does that mean we need to print out 15 copies and give everybody one I, every i think everybody needs access to the procedure to the risk assessment to the safety mitigations so they they know what they are and that they don't forget because if you you know if you if you try to remember anything in the moment, five minutes later, you've forgotten, you know, five, 10, 20% of what you, what you learn. And we don't want that to happen on the job. Yeah. And then the other thing is it's, it's, these are different crews doing different jobs on different boats or different rigs. And every one of them has a different um, process. Yeah. So there's, there's no way you can memorize it. No, absolutely not. And you can't memorize all the processes. And even when somebody reads off all the steps you're going to do and all the hazards associated with that, Again, five minutes later, you're going to have forgotten something that they said. You're never going to be able to repeat it back verbatim. And let's extend this to just, you know, two guys working on the job. All right, well, you have you have a procedure in place, but let's say the guy doing the work is is harnessed up, you know, and he's, he's going aloft. Let's say he's climbing around a 15K stack. He's not carrying that procedure with him, although he probably has sign-offs and checks and, and torque values and, and pressures and, and connections. He needs to have memorized, so he's probably going to batch. He's going he's to, all right, well, these are my, my five steps. I'm going to go up and do this. My verifier's down there. But he's definitely not carrying the procedure and all the all the risk mitigations on his person. He's got to put something in his memory bank before he gets back down to, to look at it again. You know, Patrick, this makes me think of some of the new technology that we've seen being brought into the oil and gas industry. This may be a problem that there's a technology solution for somewhere out there, somewhere in the future. Yeah, Mark, Lean Oilfield has actually been working with a relatively new technology company to use their hardware in the development of a solution to simplify handling of procedures while on the job, but also to track key metrics and analyze the information captured in the field in a way that's never been done before. Oh, so it sounds like we have something in the future to look forward to. Yeah, Mark, I've got something in the works that our listeners responsible for their company's procedures will definitely be interested in. Yeah, so when you think about procedure discipline, the other thing that I think of is not just getting the, the processes written down and getting them out to the guys, um, but it also has to be done in a way that it's simplified, right? Because, I mean, honestly, if you have 60 steps, you just can't follow that. So how do you, how do you handle the tension between wanting to get everything written down in, in your processes versus making it lean and light and small enough where people actually, it's useful to them? Well, we've talked about the different philosophies around procedures, um, and I believe that a thorough, detailed procedure that anybody can get out on the job and perform the job safely and get it done. Now, the 
expertise that you get from your guys is going to be their their ability to troubleshoot, their ability to see when problems arise, and just their flat-out efficiency. They're going to be more efficient with the vast experience that they have. But when you build a detailed procedure, you have to ensure that it's being used properly. You don't want it staying in the back pocket of somebody as they're performing the work or staying on a clipboard in the supervisor's gotcha. hands where the guys never actually get to work with it. Yeah, really cool stuff. And so, you know, just kind of to, to round this thing up, I guess my final question is, um, have you see, is this changing? Are you seeing this become better um, as, as we go through time? For the most part, procedures are being developed in a, in a collaborative way that gives the guys in the field the tools they need to perform their work and do it safely. The problem I see still persists with printing out one procedure, leaving it in your pocket, having the guy sign it, but, but just walking away from it after that, that they go out, they do the job, and they're expected to remember all the steps in the procedure. They're expected to remember all the hazards. They're expected to remember all the risk mitigations. And when you think about a 15, 20-step process, even a 10-step process, well, if each one of those steps has five or six hazards and each one of those hazards has one, two, three, maybe four or five mitig risk mitigations, now you've exponentially increased the amount of information the guys have to remember. And it's just not, it's not practical. You, anything that you're given that you have to memorize, you're going to lose five, 10, 20, 50% of what you're supposed to remember right after you're done reading it, right after you're done signing it, when you go on the job. You want to give the guys performing the work, the procedures, and the risk mitigations easy access to it. They, they need to have it on their person or easily accessible so they can reference it without having to stop the job and say, hey, I don't quite remember what the hazards were. I don't quite remember where to put my hands. Although they should be doing that, just give it to them at a glance. Give it to them in a, in a format that they can use, and they don't have to try and remember too much. Yeah, you know, I um I was recently at, at one of the big refineries just south here in Houston, and they had uh, some contractors uh, doing some work, doing some plant maintenance, and I, I got to sit in on their safety meeting uh, before they actually start the job. And the thing I found interesting, it's, it's actually ties in perfect what you're talking about, is the during a the safety meeting they brought in a couple of things about Firewatch, and so they had a, a list that they rattled off, and then they required all these guys to, to initial that they had heard this, and they went to work, and I'm thinking. They rattled off 30 things. You know, if, if these guys are new to this, if, you know, if they haven't done this in a long time, there's no way in, in heck they can remember all of this stuff while they're getting ready to go do their job. They have to connect what they say in their corporate policies with the reality of how people work. That if your policy says you have to sign the JSA, the JRA, the risk assessment, and you have to review the procedures, the policy saying that because they want you to not just review them, they want you to know what the hazards are. They want you to know what the risks are. Just signing your name to it doesn't actually mean that you understand or even will remember what those hazards and risks are. At Lean Oilfield, we're actually in the process of developing a very low-tech solution to the problem of getting procedures and risk assessments into the hands of your frontline employees while they're performing the work. The low-tech solution we're working on will actually work very well with the technology solution that we're working on that should come out you know, sometime within the first half of 2017. Uh, if any of our listeners want more information about what I'm talking about, I'm not being very specific because it's still in, in the process of, of being developed, but um, there's very low-tech solutions to getting this information into the hands of your guys while they're performing the work. Again, so they have it at a glance so they can quickly reference it. So if they forget something or they're not sure exactly what the hazards are, yes, they can stop the job and ask, but they should be able to quickly review the document that their name is on 
or that they've just initialed that is in someone's pocket somewhere that they, they haven't actually looked at in the last 20, 30 minutes or a couple hours if it's a long, drawn-out process. Yeah, good good stuff around procedure discipline. You know, get the get those documents out in front of your people, um, however that works for you, um, so your people actually know what's going on and know what they need to do. And that's exactly it, Mark. The more information about the work that they're actually performing that you give to your employees, the the more efficient and the safer they're going to be. Uh, ultimately, that's our goal here in the Red and Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE podcast. We want you and your teams to work safe, so you can go home safe to your families. Yeah, you mentioned something real quick. A lot of people may not know because uh, they see you as the HSE expert. Um, you're actually an expert also on process improvement. Yeah, process improvement is what we specialize in at Lean Oil Field. Um, but ultimately, if you improve your processes, you improve the health, safety, and environmental impact of your operations. So it's all interrelated. You improve processes, you improve health, you improve safety, you improve your operations, and you become more competitive. But that's what we do. Yeah, of course, naturally. Yeah, and and it's I've, I've seen that in the last twenty years. It's the 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 processes have been improved, and so our safety metrics have improved. It's um you know the people have always wanted to be safe, but we've just gotten better and better at figuring out what they need to do step by step in order to stay safe. You're spot on, Mark. The improvements that have been made in the oil and gas industry have made this one of the safest industries to work in. What we want to do is ultimately make improvements on structured data and not just worry about knee-jerk reactions to problems that that pop up. Yeah, so from, you know, I'm I'm not an HSNE expert, but just from the last, you know, 10 years of watching this, I think that is what's going on. It's there, there are naturally some knee-jerks. I think that's human nature, but I'm seeing companies both large and small in the oil field put some thought in how to do this the right way, which is, I mean, it's just good for everybody. Well said, Mark. Now I think it's time that we announce this week's winner of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast Offshore Bag. Who do we have this week, Mark? Congratulations, Justin Clifton with Cameron, senior engineer over there. Uh, You have won one of these awesome Red Wing bags. And uh, if you would like a chance to win this really cool offshore bag, and Patrick, it is really cool, isn't it? It's a great bag, whatever your job is in the oil field. Mark and I both have one. Now, mine's a little dirtier than Mark's is, but I promise I won't bring that up everywhere. I'm going to go put some dirt on mine. Just, I'm going to put some motor oil on mine just to show you. <laughs> I can find some somewhere, I'm sure. Um, but if you want one, they're awesome bags. They've um, become a bit of a cult item. It's very easy. No purchase necessary. See official site for rules and details. And you just simply go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast, put the information. Like we said, we draw a, a winner every week, but we announce them a week later. Um, and you can enter as many times as you want. Go do it. You'll be so happy if you win one of these bags. Um, now's a good time to talk about our LinkedIn group. If you listen to the show, um, do yourself your, a favor and go join our LinkedIn group. The LinkedIn group is called the Oil and Gas Global Network. It's where we announce this show first. It's where we will n- announce future shows. Um, we've crossed 1,500 uh, members in there so far. Every single person and every single comment is moderated by a real person, so we have zero spam. We actually give you as a member the ability to flag spam, so we're really staying on top of that. And it's 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 the sister to all of our shows. It's where we announce new events. Patrick and I have some secret uh, live events coming up. We'll, they'll be announced there first. Looks like Patrick may have something in the works that we'll announce there. Um, your peers are there. So if you have questions or you need help with something, just go join. You'll be glad you did. I just type in OGGN and it pops right up in LinkedIn. Pops right up. Cool. Good tip. And then reviews. Patrick, why do we need reviews? Yeah, we need reviews because we don't have enough. And we need your help letting iTunes know what an awesome show this is. Yeah, and the other thing that, um, it, and I didn't realize this until James Hahn on our other podcast brought it up, but nowadays, 
uh, it's easy for people to generate podcasts, which means there's a lot of bad podcasts out there, which means it's hard for people to find good podcasts. And I struggle with that myself. And so the reviews are a way to help people that are looking for good podcasts find that we're a good one because if we have a bunch of good reviews, you naturally would want to stop and listen to it. So, you know, it takes all of three or four minutes. Patrick and I are trying to climb to the number one spot. We're chasing oil and gas this week, which is a long chase, um, but we want to see if we can knock it off. Um, so uh, give us a review. It'll help us with our search engine rankings. It'll help us uh, compete against the other podcasts. I um, mean, it'll help your peers find us and, 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 you know, be useful that way them as well. Um, and then if you've listened this far, please, 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 we're trying to grow this audience. Um, please share the show, friends, neighbors, coworkers, share it on social media. Um, you know, anything you do, anybody, you know, that has an interest in HS and E in the oil and gas industry, let them know we're here. All right. So it's about time for us to get out of here. Uh, you ready to go, Patrick? Yeah, I got to get back to my college football anyway. <laughs> All right, folks. So don't be afraid to give up the good and go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond.